Yeah, I think it was, I mean, and this is a bit of big part of what I do with guys is you don't need pickup mm. when you're in alignment and in your own integrity. Meaning like when I got clear and I started doing my practice and I knew what I wanted and I was literally moving my life in the direction of where I wanted it to go and spending time with the types of people and the types of tribe and the values and the community with those people. That's where I found someone else who shared that stuff yeah. for one and where we didn't have to play any games. Another episode of Dear Men. This is a super exciting episode because we're going to be hearing from an actual dude who went from being kind of a nice guy to married to a beautiful woman. And this is really important to me because as someone who coaches men, I can say that I've had multiple clients who are in this similar boat of how Jason was at the beginning of his experience. And then I'm really excited to talk to him about his transformation. So, um, yeah, I'm here with my friend, Jason. He is founder of Evolutionary Men, and he works with men on masculinity, sexuality, and relationships. And um, we've been in the same community for a long time, and I have a ton of respect for him and his work and his journey and everything like that. So I'm really excited to share with you guys. And welcome to the podcast, Jason. Awesome. So good to be here. <laughs> really excited. Good. I'm excited, too. So um, we're just going to dive right in. I want to hear about um, your kind of experience sort of with women and dating and sexuality at the beginning to kind of how you are now. I know that's a really big sort of arc, but I'm really interested in, um, yeah, your experience. How was that for you? How, how was it dealing with women in your sort of teenage years and beyond? Uh, yeah. I mean, first and foremost, there really wasn't any experience. <laughs> I mean, there was and there wasn't in some ways, but um, yeah, high, junior high, high school in particular, um, I never really dated anyone. Mm -hmm. Didn't have a girlfriend, uh, never successfully entered into a relationship, mm -hmm. ha never had sex, didn't kiss anyone, had a string of what I would call super crushes, uh -huh. um, where, you know, Almost like the semesters of a school year. Uh-huh. Every, you know, semester or two, there would be a new woman that was the complete... Or girl at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. girl. Uh -huh. That was the, you know, total object of affection in terms of, like, a mad crush, but who I generally didn't particularly interact with, mm -hmm. or if I did interact with, it was incredibly awkward. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the sense, like, wouldn't talk to them, would notice them... And then maybe try to ask them all out all at once in the mm. sense of like, haven't really ever talked to you, but hi, would you like to go out Friday? You know, like, yeah. um, did you actually manage to ask any of them out though? I did. Okay. Uh, maybe two or three times. Okay. Um, in the traditional sense, the other times it was kind of more like friends of friends, 
energy of, I don't know, kind of more angsty, I like them, do they like me? Uh-huh. And, I don't know, just hoping something would happen and nothing really would. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty, that was just super painful. I yeah. mean, as I went through high school, that was very... Because you were seeing other boys, and now these would be young men, especially towards the end of high school, junior and senior year, now you're pretty much young men. You're seeing them having success. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people were, you know, dating and having relationships. Um, for me in particular, and this is a pattern that continued and continues in the work I do, I was lucky enough to have a pretty strong group of guys mm. in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Similar pattern of which was that other than, there was literally one guy in our crew who ended up having a girlfriend. Okay, so lots her. of guys who were not getting laid. Yes, okay. which helped though because then we all could hang out with each other Friday and Saturday <laughs> night. So like it was part of what connected us. Right. Um, was the struggle around that. Uh, and and yeah. then did this pattern kind of continue in college? Yeah, I mean, I would say what really started it. Um, and, and it goes deep, right? Like a lot of the patterning and my awkwardness around it, like many people, had family of origin mm-hmm. stuff around it. So, mm-hmm. you know, in my family, there was not much intimacy. And it was not something I saw modeled by my parents. Yeah. In terms of like what it looks like to flirt with someone you like uh-huh. and how you connect and like coming home and kissing and just very... That was all absent. That was all totally absent. Okay. So it was just very foreign to yeah. me completely. Um, and... Like, it, it it was painful enough back then that uh, I have no doubt, <laughs> it, it, I have it to thank for starting my spiritual journey, because mm. uh, it was like stuck in the suburbs. I mean, this was, you know, I didn't know what a coach was. I didn't know what a dating coach yeah. was. Like, none of that stuff was even in my consciousness. Yeah. But um, I got exposed to, you know, some spirituality and some books and being totally honest, the reason I got into it was I was like, wow, if I became an awake person uh, and spiritually awake, I bet girls would like me. <laughs> right. Sex is a big motivator. Yeah. So, But can we just back up to uh, high school, not a lot of luck, yeah. and then college, I'm guessing more luck, but not necessarily um, a lot of it. Like, what is the chronology of not when's a the first time amount. you kissed someone, when's the first time you had sex, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the significant thing in high school was despite all my fumbles, there were two people, had I been more in my self, mm-hmm. I could have dated. Mm-hmm. Like, we hung out a couple times, and there was literally one of them who I was just so awkward and uncomfortable around because mm-hmm. I hadn't ever kissed a girl and was afraid to kind of broach that and yeah. presence that, that um, it was her friend that told me, like, she's literally waiting for you to kiss her <laughs> yeah, and wondering when that's going to happen. And it never happened. And then, you know, yeah. it fizzled out pretty quickly. Yeah. And there was another one that was kind of like that where it was just, you know, there was like the natural connection kind of in the beginning, but uh-huh. then I wasn't able to, to like to take make the, the natural next to, steps right. that would keep it, um, that would just make it interesting for her and give and her the connection she was looking for. when you look back on those two experiences, do you feel like, it was because you were so nervous or like what was the what was stopping you especially let's say the girl whose friend was like hey she's waiting for you to kiss her there was still something that prevented you from actually taking that step totally was it fear uh for sure just anxiety like generally being anxious in my body when i was around girls that i was attracted to so probably not breathing yeah not totally really just tight body, constricted kinda. trying to think of the right thing to say um and then shame just Dang. even then, even then, already towards the end of high school, like having not kissed a girl 
was already like, I'm behind. Oh, everyone so else has already done about this stuff. Not, I see. So not necessarily sexual shame, sort of a version of it, but like even shit, before I'm behind. sex, just like the I haven't kissed someone. Yeah. Sex. I do. What if I'm a bad kisser? What oh, if she doesn't like it? And I what see. if she laughs at me if I'm like I never kissed a girl? Got it. So the shame had to do with like, what if I do it wrong? Yes. Like, what I'm if behind, I do it wrong? I haven't done it. Everyone else has. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! What if I do it wrong? And then you're just in the moment not kissing her. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I would say also just judgment of like, what will she think? Like other people have already oh, kissed, right? Like what's yeah. wrong with this guy? Why hasn't he done it? And, like that was, I don't know if, you know, it's not necessarily true, but that was the fear. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So I, yeah, I left high school with no girlfriend, having never kissed anyone, um, never having a relationship, just a, this series of super crushes of women that would take all of my attention mm-hmm. uh, that more often than not I wouldn't actually engage with. Yeah. Um, which was like a fantasy protective mechanism I can see now. Yeah. Because like in Crush. In Crush Land. Yeah, in Crush Land it's actually really safe because I know how to deal with it. There's no actual rejection. Uh, there's, there's no actual risk. Yeah, there's no risk in it. So. And would you say that most likely your super crushes didn't even know you had a super crush on them? Oh, totally. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I never talked to them. Okay. How would they know I had a crush on them? <laughs> so, right. So super crushes literally... <laughs> They're not even necessarily aware that it's happening. It's just in your head. Yeah, okay. I would say, the majority of them. You know, there were a few that I attempted to like presence it with or whatever. But yeah, the majority of them, there was just no interaction. Yeah, um, there was no presencing anything. Yeah, um, or any real connection. Okay. So, and that was part of it too. Is cr- madly crushing on people who I never actually connected with. So in in truth, I didn't even know if I actually liked. Mm, like, is right. this a person who idea. I would genuinely, genuinely enjoy being around and like have that real genuine kind of connection? But in the crush phase, it was just this story or idea or image of them. Yeah. That, um, so again, that was just a kind of funny thing where I'd crush on these people, these women who I didn't even really know. Yeah. <laughs> and then tell me a little about when that started to shift. It would have been college maybe? Um, so yeah, then I went to, I went to college and my freshman year of college, again, I didn't really, I would say there were only two significant things that happened. One was, it was probably the first time I really deployed the nice guy strategy. Okay. Like, tell me about the nice guy strategy. (laughs) The nice guy strategy was, um, like there was a woman who I met and I tried to be so nice that she would sleep with you yeah that the like connection would the you know there would be an inevitable like connection of sexuality or, yeah. or whatever so you know we'd hang out and I'd help her with things and help her with homework and mm-hmm. do things mm-hmm. and um she spent the night once and I didn't make any moves on her mm-hmm. and it was just like yeah I'm no I'm the nice guy very I platonic yeah yeah um but nothing happened with it you know like truth be told um, Actually, can we go back to what you just said? I'm the nice guy. I don't do that. Yes. What was the thinking behind that? Um, you know, part of just hearing her stories about how guys had treated her mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of women's stories, you know, uh, a lot of friends and not wanting to be, as I say, that guy. Yep. Um, not wanting to be that guy. That was actually part of my identity of, is not being that guy. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, if I'm not that guy, then maybe she'll like me. Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> So in some ways, it's a kind of nefarious strategy, too. Yeah. Because it's, it, it's attempting to manipulate a woman. A little bit. a little Maybe a little regard. bit underhanded. But yeah. the core of it is good, in a way. Yeah. Because no. I don't want to be rapey. I don't want to make her uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't want to... 
have her feel unsafe. I want to be the guy where she feels safe. Absolutely. Does that sound about right? Yeah, totally. And that's willing to listen and is actually in it for connection as well. And Mm -hmm. doesn't just want her for her body. Yeah, totally. Um, and then the only other one was, it was probably in towards the end of the year, there was another person I just kind of been friends with that, you know, in retrospect, I can see like, she, she would have been fine with something happening <laughs> yeah. between us. She totally. was dropping handkerchiefs. Yeah. Um, and you were blithely skating by the handkerchiefs. Yeah, because she, you know, I, I could see too the like the protection mechanism of the super crushes. They were often with girls that were not interested in me. Yeah. Versus other women that kind of were. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, were, there was a mechanism there that played out multiple times for sure. What would happen when you could mm-hmm. tell a woman was interested? Uh get awkward okay. <laughs> avoid it <laughs> really uh yeah not know how to have a conversation or any of that or what to do with it so just kind of like keep it super platonic when it became a possibility it's like your body would back away even more uh like, oh yeah God. totally and yeah absolutely uh, i would say particularly for the few women that were interested in me that i didn't feel that initial like charge around mm-hmm. um but I, I, you know, in retrospect, I can see that charge was some protection, yeah, for, in in one way or another. Interesting. Um, okay. And then it wasn't until so then the big milestone was my second year of college. I switched colleges, went somewhere else that was way more in line with who I am and kind of my vibes and my values, which helped relax me a little bit because I was kind of more just myself there mm-hmm. for sure, more naturally confident. Yeah, and. Uh, I lived in the equivalent of like the international house. So I was getting to interact with a lot of people from overseas and Germany and just England in particular. And the significance of that was there was someone I met at a party and we clearly had some interest in each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I kind of used my normal strategy again of like kind of nice guy and listening Uh and not making moves. Um, And we were out at a party one night and, she was kind of drunk. I wasn't even drinking at that point, and she kissed me. She just made right. the move on me, um, which I think just coming from England, where there's a different disposition to sexuality yeah. and how people date, where you know we had talked about it too. Of like, there, it's like you hook up and then you find out if you want to date. Uh-huh. Here, it's more like you date to find out if you want to sleep with someone. Although in college, sometimes it can be that yeah, hooking totally. up and then seeing, um, yeah. But it was the same thing. I was, I mean, I was just in fear around that and. Uh, I don't actually even know if we kissed more than that one time. Yeah. If we do, I don't even remember it. Yeah. So it might have just been that one time because then I think my thing came up where all my shame and fear and yeah. lack of experience and not knowing what to do next and all that happened. And that kind of went into um, what I would call like angsty mode where <laughs> this weird energy comes up and then I want her to like me and she doesn't like me yeah. and like emotionally hurt boy. And yeah. Just the attraction goes whoop, uh, right down. And then, I mean, that, and then she kind of, you know, that angsty energy around her took the rest of my year. Like mm. there was energy with this girl who was clearly not interested yeah. in me, after, you know, two months after we met. But mm-hmm. like that's where my presence stayed. So I, again, wasn't open to anything else. Yeah, so she sort of became a super crush. She be, totally became she a totally super crush. She totally became a super crush. Yeah, this she, is something actually I hear from my clients a lot of like a woman – Maybe having a little something with her, and then she's not interested, possibly for the angsty thing you just pointed out. Yes. And then, but he stays attached to her for, I mean, months, sometimes years. Years, for sure. Yeah, that, and it's just so hard to let go of that. 
Um, I want to come back to that later and see what you, how you coach your clients around that now, because I think that's something that it sort of can prevent because you weren't that available for the rest of that year, I'm guessing, to anyone else because you had this super crush. No, like, you know, all my passionate. stuff was around thinking about her right. or trying to go to parties where she was at or like, you know, like literally keeping tabs in yeah. a, like a mental sense. Like she took all that energy and then I just wasn't yeah. noticing other people or. Yeah. Um, I think make, that's, uh, I think a lot of men are going to be able to relate to that. Yeah. Energetically, I was just closed off to other people. That's yeah. For sure. for yeah. Sure. And so. Tell me a little bit more about how you kept shifting into the mode you are now. Um, yeah, I would say the the thing, like, there was another year of college. I mean, this pattern kind of played out more and more, but I got a little more comfortable every time. I'm not, I'm not even sure if that's quite it. But so the next year, you know, there was another person who became my super crush that there was initially some connection with that we made out a few few times, and then my fear mechanism and kind of angst energy and Mm -hmm. anxiety around moving towards sexuality, you know, kicked in Uh and same thing. She took my energy for the year, uh, gave her my energy for the year and kind of made myself unavailable to other people. Yep. um, So super crush. There's some interest. You're scared to move forward to actually having sex because you're like, shit, now I'm 21. It's getting every year. Every year it gets worse. Yeah. And you're like, shit, I'm 21. None of my friends know I'm a virgin. None of your None friends of know. Them. Yeah, oh yeah. And so the fear of having sex is like, shit, what if I do it wrong? Yes. What if it's not good enough? It's not going to measure up to the other guys she's been with. And all of that kind of produces this paralysis yeah. of like, I'm not going to make the next move because then we're going to end up having sex and then I will be revealed as yeah, totally. something. Okay. And, um, you know, I would say what we'll come back to at one point, but for sure in that time, I would say I, I wasn't just, I wasn't terribly connected to my body either. Mm. You know, I was running at one point, which mm-hmm. did help. And I think that was probably the most confident I felt in, felt in college. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you know, this was before I discovered anything about yeah. like how to be in my body or connect to my body or anything like that. So it was a lot of being in your head. Totally. It was all, I mean, it's been you spent your whole hundreds world in of your hours <laughs> of mental energy around like what should, I mean, one of the, I guess one of the big things certainly that goes into the super crush and tie would tie up a lot of that energy now that I think about it is the uh replaying moments oh interesting I should have done this I could have done that oh my god I should have said this or oh I totally missed that opportunity like I see it now yeah but lots of just replays with like I should have I should have I should have and just thinking about things over and over and over and oh my god so kind of past centric totally (laughs) just like staying trapped in those in those moments for sure spent a lot of energy around that rather than being present in the moment you were actually in yeah and in your body um, and then that kind of, that en- ended college really. Okay. Um, still no sex, still no sex had made out with two girls at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, I mean, it was just like a long period in the desert of oh, having the desert. I'm familiar with the yeah, desert. <laughs> having come out of school, um, and right, like being deathly afraid of particularly approaching women I was attracted to. Like the great thing about school is there's just natural yeah. engagement with it's easy to other people, people that you're just yeah. walking through your day. And, oh, my God, there's a single person and mm-hmm. there's a girl and we're in the same class. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, so even opportunities for super crushes went way down. Yeah. Because I, like, got a job and was in a Now you're in the real world. In the real world. And, you know, it was really the bar scene. Mm-hmm. And there was some going out and trying to meet people, but it's just not something I was good at. Yep. Uh, truth be told. And particularly around that age, I think that my pain around it did tend to surface in just alcohol. Okay. Like that, I finally started drinking when I was 21. And it did help loosen me up where, like, to an extent, it brought me in my body somewhat, and I think that was the initial attraction to it, was mm-hmm. feeling just a little more, like, loose and talking, mm-hmm. um, but also at the same time, drinking a little too much, yeah. <laughs> for sure. That yeah. probably didn't help things long-term, but then, yeah, then I was working a job, and I, I, it just started this, like, probably five years where I was working in California, and did, uh, yeah, I can't even think, I don't even think I had crushes during that time, like, I'm really trying to think about it. So, big drought... Yeah, big drought, and then moved home for a year, and same thing, just, um, it was like living at home with my dad, and no connection to anyone, um, and significant at the time, you know, put on a lot of weight, so very not comfortable in my body, even how I'm feeling, Um, but then it all started to shift when I decided to move to Colorado, where um, I had been attracted to kind of the spiritual and the consciousness scene. Got myself out there and met a tribe of people, which was great. Um, some of whom, part of what was particularly valuable was there was older men, mm. guys that were a couple of years older than me. Mentorship. That, yeah, that were kind of friends and mentors, really, mm-hmm. that just had done, had been far more successful dating. Uh-huh. None of them knew I was a virgin, for sure. Just okay. That this is sh- like, a, like a dirty secret. Yeah, kind totally of, like dirty secret. shameful secret. secret. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, knew I was trying to date and not great with it and all conscious and all wanted to be doing better with women at the same time Mm -hmm. because you know we're in our mid-20s and that's that's what we're doing um and that was right when the game came out by neil strauss yep Mm -hmm. which we like all read and totally devoured and um went out and you know would go out nights on boulder trying to use pickup lines Uh and do the stuff and it didn't really ever work for me okay (laughs) (laughs) worked for a few of the other guys a, a few times but um you know, it wasn't, I just wasn't there internally yet, Yeah, I would say. Was there anything valuable that you did get out of the pickup scene or the pickup work? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, like, the stories, particularly in his book, he is a great, great writer, and there is some genuine, what what I got of it, got out of it, actually, is that for a lot of men, and I, I do see this now as I work with more guys, mm-hmm. the pickup scene is their first entrance into men's work. yeah. Um, it's the thing that even makes them think about how they're showing up with a woman. Okay. What is going on when you walk up to her and talk to her. Yeah. Um, Versus just, this is how women are. Totally. So it's like, I have an impact here. How I'm showing up is going to affect her instead of just women are this one way. Um, And uh, what I would say is the significant things about this point in life were, it was the first time I went to therapy. Okay. Uh, and I saw like a talk therapist for maybe a year that was uh, pretty good mm-hmm. and pretty valuable. And she, you know, would just talk to me and help me kind of bring me into my body and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm trying to remember some timing around things. There was a pretty significant event that I don't exactly remember the timing around, but it was, I think, after this therapist because um, my job had changed. I wasn't able to see her. And so I was seeing a men's coach, actually. Mm-hmm. So a guy that was helping me on just getting my life aligned and, like, moving towards my purpose and doing more film work. And um, he did help some guys with dating as well. 
But what's significant happened in that is um, there was a, a girl I met on MySpace at the time. Yes, MySpace. <laughs> Back. We, we hung out a couple times and on and off and, you know, she was kind of seeing someone at the time and then not. And, you know, there was some mutual interest and then, um, I don't exactly remember how it happened, but then there was a point where she was interested and I was interested and we went out and we had this great date and, uh, we made out a little bit and I was super excited. And then one of my, a band was coming to town the next week that I thought she'd like. So I invited her, we went to that and we were like dancing and I was, really enjoying it and really dancing with her and then after after the show was over you know she was starting to kind of pull away a couple times in the show Mm -hmm. like still vibing on me but just you know taking her space sometimes and afterwards we're like literally walking out onto the streets of denver and i'm like trying to put my arm around her and get really close to her and she literally just said would you get off and just shoved me like shoved me away and I immediately just shoomp, totally just collapsed. withdrew. Yeah. Totally collapsed. Was nearly silent. I think we I don't know if we took it I think we took a cab all the way from Boulder and took the cab all the way home and it was just like dead silent, dead awkward. Yeah. Uh, I think we dropped her off at our house, might have said a word or two, and that was it. That was yeah. like the last connection we ever had. Yeah. Um and, and that was, I would imagine, like the nightmare scenario. Totally. For a nice guy. Because because in that moment, I, if I'm you, I'm imagining like, oh my God, I'm that guy. Yes. Like, this is my worst nightmare. My yeah, worst yeah, nightmare yeah. is getting rejected by a woman because I did something sexually awkward or sexually wrong or somehow made her uncomfortable or feel bad. Or, so it's like, this is literally like the hell scenario. Yes. And yeah, it's interesting now, even I remember, like she said afterwards, like, or like right after she shoved me and saw me freezing, she's like, it's not like I'm... I don't want that. It's just like it's too much right now. Yeah. So, and I think that was part of just having not had any connection. I was so hungry for it yeah. and didn't. Again, just hadn't had the experience of like what natural back and forth, right. and flirting and space, like and calibrating time. closeness yeah. and is the moment right right now? Are you picking up her signals? Are you listening? Like all of that, being in your body and being able to gauge all of that. Totally. And so I, I froze and I like became a child, like yeah. literally in that interaction and didn't really know what happened and didn't know how to explain it. Yeah. And luckily I had a good friend who I called up the day after and I was like, it went really bad. And yeah. He's just like, just come over. And he just sat next to me as I played video games all day. Oh. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was so good. I couldn't even talk about it yet, you know, but he yeah. could just tell there were like something went down. Yeah. Really grateful. Um, but what was significant about that is... I think I really knew something was up in terms of how I could just totally collapsed and like yeah. literally became younger and had my had one of my sessions with my coach and in that he had done some depth work with people and mm-hmm. like some real deep emotions started coming up for me and yeah. he, he kind of held me and guided me through it and then at the end he was like hey man you know I just got to be honest with you this isn't really my forte so much mm-hmm. um you know I'm more of a coach and working on future stuff like I see there's a lot there and I just think someone else might be able to handle this better. And mm-hmm. turns out my wife is a gestalt therapist. Mm. Um, so you might want to set up a session with her and explore that. And I did. And it was immensely powerful and useful and yeah. gauging just like comfort with presence and how close someone is to me. And that was a really big turning point. I remember one of the most significant things that was just nerve wracking for me at the time was she was in a uh, center 
and there were masseuses, therapists, everyone. So she set up a session, one of our sessions mm-hmm. with a massage therapist. So the massage therapist came in and then she stayed with me and she was like, I'm just, we're just going to walk through like you asking for where you want to be touched, how you want to be touched. Yeah. And then I'm going to ask you like, how does that feel? What's too much? What's not? It was so intense because yeah. no one had ever really touched me. Like yeah. truth be told, other than the few times I'd made out, um, but learning to just, I think modulate and regulate my nervous system a little bit around that energy. That's a big part of what she and I did in that work together. That's so interesting. And when you say that it was intense, like, was it because, was it again that like hunger or that like wanting touch or was it like asking for what you want? It was, was asking it for what I like, want. What was it? And it was just, it was literally the, um, like the bracing my body had with touch because it was so unused to it. Wow. Like receiving touch was. So, you know, it was kind of like, ah, and then asking for what I wanted was like, I don't even know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I worked with her for probably probably a year, a year and a half, and it was incredibly fruitful and incredibly valuable. That was a big turning point. And it came out of that, would you call it a shame spiral, or what would you call it for that? Uh, it collapsed. Like, collapse, like, I totally yeah. collapsed. It was just collapse. Yeah. Um, yeah, total, which I think was just a very physical, embodied version of, even the kind of crush spiral from before, yeah. of like kind of getting close to somewhere and then it falling apart and like me kind of withdrawing yeah. or getting weird or yeah. protecting. Yeah. Um, but the difference is that time you broke the cycle by seeing mentors, therapists that could hold you. Yes, yeah. totally. And that changed. And so this was all happening. I was going to a therapist and the other significant thing I'll say that happened this time and... Um, Two other times in my life, and actually uh, uh, starting now as well, <laughs> but uh, it was around that time, that same friend that sat with me, we got hardcore and started going to the gym like every day, yeah. dedicated practice, 6 a.m., five days a week, mm-hmm. and working out, and I got super disciplined because my weight had been all over the place, mm-hmm. and I lost a ton of weight in like three months and totally transformed my body. Um, And, you know, it made such a difference. Not that it was just more about me feeling good in what I was doing. Yeah. Like, not even the exact poundage, but, like, yeah, I'm fucking working out and I'm doing my part and I feel healthy. Yeah. And just feeling healthy started to bring some vitality. And And did you notice that also made an impact in terms of interacting with women? Yeah. You know, I could notice people would notice me, which felt good and Mm -hmm. felt more comfortable. Um, And then... uh, the most significant thing was then I, there was someone I was, had kind of been interested in college and somehow I went out to San Francisco and we hung out once and I was super attracted to her. And I think it was the perfect scenario for me. I think particularly because of everything I was going through around the physical Mm -hmm. is because she was long distance. We just started emailing back and forth. Yeah. um, And like connecting just over email, which was much lower anxiety for me uh-huh. to take my time to like write something right. and not, not have those, Oh, I should have said, but like really yeah. kind of compose myself and go back and forth. And then I think we even talked on the phone a couple times and then it just, I was going out there for a wedding and I invited her and through very fortunate circumstances, we stayed somewhere together and got put in the same room and I was kind of drunk and uh, just <laughs> one thing led to another. Yeah, like, I mean, in some ways, the drunkenness was both, it helped me be bold, and it kind of numbed me, in a sense, Mm. of just, like, 
pushing through the fear. Not as much anxiety. Um, not talking. Yeah. Like, didn't tell her I was virgin. Didn't tell her I had no experience. Right. Just like, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and But we you went. were able to take action in that circumstance in, in a way that you hadn't necessarily with super crushes in the past. Yes. And I think part of, I mean, what's so clear now is part of why I think I even felt safe enough in that was beyond just the alcohol of that night. We had had a couple months of solid connection beforehand mm. over the emails. Yeah. And so there was some emotional resonance there. There yeah. was some safety there. Yeah. I knew she was someone that was interested in me mm-hmm. in that sense because she, you know, we had been spending time together. She went to this wedding for me, with me. And uh, so, like, it finally happened at 26. It was 26 years old. Um, so it, it took a while. Yeah. And even still after it happened... I didn't tell any of my friends that that was the first girl really? I saw. Really? Totally not. Wow. Totally not. Um, there was still, still kind of shame around that. Yeah. Uh, and then we saw each other kind of on and off for about a year, or not a year, maybe six months. Um, and then paths just kind of naturally parted because right. I wasn't going to move there. She wasn't going to move here. Did it feel like, at the time, did it feel like, okay, my life is different now? Like, I had sex. Like, now I'm set or I'm a man or I'm, was it a really significant thing? It was, it it was a massive relief. I mean, it was just a relief to have like had it done. Like, okay, okay, that's happened now. I can do it. Check that box. I think it was the feeling of I can do it. I can do it. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm not a dysfunctional, crazy, like, oh, okay. Like this is, that's it. Like Mm -hmm. I remember at one point being like, this is it. That's it. Oh, (laughs) that's how I felt the first time I got drunk. I was like, this is, this is what everyone talks about. Like, I don't feel Um, that different. Yeah. Uh, but I can also say at the time, like, I do remember very faintly being conscious of, like, I still even wasn't super connected to my body. Mm. There was, like, a, a thing in being with her that it was still hard for me to, like, fully be there. Yeah, kind of um, heady. Yeah, I think it was just safer up here and not fully in, not fully in. Yeah. And focusing a lot, a lot on her pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, not, and again, like, even with all the therapies, still just struggling to feel that, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of nice guys and a lot of nice guys I've talked to can do overemphasize, overemphasize giving to her total attention rather than on her, being present um, in their bodies, yeah. owning their attraction, which I think can be great. I mean, from what I experienced and from some guys I've talked to, can be great initially, mm-hmm. but then something about that is unsustainable long term. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be curious if you've experienced that from your side. Like, what is it about that? Yeah, um, but. Yeah, that was there, and then another dry spell, and then again, like, got, yeah, it's funny, there was like another dry spell, and again, I kind of slipped off my personal practice routine, Mm. wasn't going to the gym as much, Mm -hmm. got a little heavier, um, and then kind of got rededicated, and then met some other girls and had my first experiences of it like being easy, Mm. of just connecting with someone, and then moving towards physicality, and it like oh it happened wow and when you when you say it would feel easy like was that because you were picking up on the signals that she was giving and actually taking action on them where before you would yeah i think it was the realization that wow if she's here talking with me on this date still that's a signal she probably likes yeah no i think like literally there was like a wow i asked you to do a movie on like a monday night and you came like (laughs) You came and said yes to the movie. And then, right. And, and, and there, there was still, I think, a little um, what I would call like counterphobic action. What does that mean? Like it was st- I would still get anxious because I still had anxiety around yeah. 
moving through the process. So there was a little like, I'm just going to go for it. Okay. Like at one point, it was like hearing the voices of doubt come on, but just like shut that off. Okay. Like shut that off and just make a move and see what happens. And, you know, and then I'll, it was like shocking when stuff would actually happen. <laughs> it was just like, holy God. Um, because I'm curious when you say like it was so shocking like what did you expect would happen did you expect her to like throw water in your face or something if you made a move no I I think I mean I think there was some embarrassment in some part Uh of like oh wow all I had to do was like connect and show my interest yeah and like make a move yeah like all thinking back of all these years and like yeah oh and i think so that's what was was shocking there was probably a matrix moment of realizing like wow there were a lot of women who there were opportunities there and i just wasn't tuning in on things or had i just you know pushed through my discomfort a little bit you know i probably could have had more relationships all these years yeah Um, so the shock was more about like oh my God, this isn't actually that hard. Yes. But I was making it really hard. Yeah. And wow, like the number of years that I went through that could have been different, shocking. Yeah, absolutely. And and then I would say the only thing, the only other thing that feels prescient or uh, important about this time is like one of the, one of the people I did see for almost like eight months. Mm Mm-hmm. But we were kind of just friends with benefits that we'd hang out on like Mondays. Yeah. But she really. Had... I like that. Friends with benefits only happens on yeah. Mondays. <laughs> but there was this thing, this other layer of protecting myself that was still happening of not really entering into a relationship with her mm. and like. Um, not really were... claiming her. Yeah. There was this like emotional. In my mind, it was this thing of like, oh, I still want to date more because I'm just starting to get successful now. Mm-hmm. But if I really feel back to it, there was like we were starting to have the physical connection. We got along, but like the emotional vulnerability was I was not there. I was not there. Yeah. So there was this kind of shield thing happening. Yeah. Um, which, you were only willing to get so close. Yeah, which I think it just got to a point where she was ready for something deeper than that at some point. And mm-hmm. then, you know, that ended and that hurt. And I was like, ah, oh, my God, I should have been dating this girl. I could have had, like, yeah. a great girlfriend. And uh, so there was something around that. Um, and then it was, like, a year later. I was, like, 29. Um, I was six months away from moving to L.A. that I, I met someone online. And we started dating, and it was, I mean, it feels like so cheesy to say it now, but it was the first time I had a girlfriend. Uh-huh. Like, we actually yeah. discussed like what a, we were, right. and we were a boyfriend and girlfriend, and I could introduce her as a girlfriend, and she introduced me as her boyfriend, which felt like a, I mean, a milestone. It, it was somewhat embarrassing and somewhat of a milestone at yeah. the same time. Like, wow, I'm just having my first relationship here. Yeah. And um, of note, I would say she was... She was like seven years younger than me, mm. which I actually think was a good match because <laughs> emotionally, <laughs> I actually think that's kind of where I was at yeah. in some regards. Um, and But then I was moving to L.A. so that uh, there was just kind of a natural, this isn't going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But since it was my first relationship, I had no idea how to end it. Okay. Like, no idea like what closing a container like that would be. So it ended very messily and yeah. uh, with hurt feelings um particularly I got hurt quite a bit yeah but mostly because I didn't set any kind of container or any ending to it and just yeah there was like a lot of unresolved unexpressed stuff yeah that then um felt hurt around but so it was around 
this time that I, I moved to LA and was, you know, I, I'm trying to think. I had done quite a bit of work. Yeah. So, I mean, because I'm imagining now you're 29, I'm 29 you're 30. I'm going to be turning You've been 30. doing work, personal growth work now so for four years. Full time or? in Boulder, I'm, you know, going to yeah. meditation retreats, leading workshops, seeing amazing speech, teachers speak and teach all kinds of stuff. Um, I was doing more depth work than I'd ever done before with one of the teachers who I'm now training with. What's that depth was, work? Uh, like deep shadow work. Yeah. So what ended up being is I found a teacher who, um, and you know, kind of like a Jedi therapist as I call him. Oh, I like that. A Jedi therapist. <laughs> that um, helped goals. facilitate actually getting into the body state I withdrew on that one woman mm. with that date with, yeah. like actually taking me back into like what was going on in your life at that time, what's going on in your nervous system. And he was the first person that had like really facilitated me going there yeah. um, and plunging back into what was just like deep, deep sadness, deep sadness around lack of physical touch with my mother. Yeah. Like so grief. took a long time and a lot of going into it for it to come up and just like lots of grief around that and lots of just uh, ease, I would say in the sense of like, Oh wow. That like, I get it. I get, no wonder why I had such a hard time like connecting with the women the and feminine, feminine. Yeah. and um, like, it was just never part of my nervous system in yeah. some ways. Um, so when I left there, I was, you know, still struggling in a lot of ways, but I had had a girlfriend, had had sex, and, you know, was moving across the country to, like, follow my dreams mm-hmm. and live on my purpose and that kind of stuff. And so I moved out here and fairly soon met someone that uh, was had a lot of shared interest in terms of the film industry, and we started dating, and then we... And by now you had enough presence and you were in your body enough that that process of meeting someone, having chemistry, and yes. then asking her out or... Going yes, the kiss, it, reading the signals, that all became, it felt a lot more natural at this point. Yeah, like this that, was, not a that was one that's, that was like we were at a networking event and I saw someone I was attracted to, so I walked up to her and said hi. Nice. And then that yeah. like started the relationship. And that would never have happened five years prior. Oh my God, totally not. <laughs> she would have become another super crush. Yeah, she okay. would have been a would have another yes, year. Exactly. She would never have even known. She would have become another <laughs> super crush. Um, and we started dating and there was like connection there and it ended up turning into a five-year relationship, um, which was definitely the most significant relationship I had had at the time and, like, like an actual, like, getting to know each other over time mm-hmm. and uh, everything that came with that. Um, and commitment and, and, and all and commitment the whole and thing, yeah. anxiety around commitment. And for me, still this kind of tension around I feel like I'm behind, hmm. behind in relationships. She had already dated someone else long-term, mm-hmm. and everything felt really new for me, and I'd get embarrassed about it, and... Um, felt stupid about things sometimes but you hung in there but I hung in there and yeah we had a good connection and a good relationship that at some point we just started it became clear that we weren't going to be good long term for yeah. each other um, my spirituality kind of came back online mm-hmm. in terms of when I first moved to LA I wasn't really involved in it I kind of let it all go to focus on film mm-hmm. but then it came back online through the authentic relating community and just getting more involved and it really being part of who I am and like mm-hmm. what I really wanted in a partner was like someone who was doing their work, um, that was doing it just because they were passionate about it. Yeah. Uh, and not, and because, that wasn't not really... because it was one of my values, yeah. but because it was one of their values. And so there was just tension around there and there was a lot of tension again, because she wasn't really on that path. 
Yeah, and, okay. I, and, and a lot of unexpressed emotion, I would say, again. And still, even with her, even five years in, lots of protection. Like, mm. lots of emotional protection and not expressing things and holding things back. And um, and and f- for that, I think it was, it, it was similar to the shame and anxiety of the... Uh, my virginity and like the longer it went, the harder it got. Mm-hmm. Th- there was a moment, you know, I should have broke up with her a year earlier than I did. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But there was like fear around doing that and being alone again. And the uh-huh. longer it went, the harder it was going to get. Yeah. It was just like a really hard, hard thing. But I, I had a very clear moment. I remember in Trader Joe's where I was like, oh. Trader Joe's is where it all happens. Yeah. Where I don't remember. I think I was on the phone with someone, but I just had this really clear download of like, wow. I, I know my soul needs to go through the experience of breaking up with mm-hmm. her. Like, it's going to not be easy. Um, and it was the hardest thing I'd ever done and super painful. But it just I was just really clear that I was not... I was not loving her in the way she deserved to be loved. And there was another man out there who would love her exactly where she was. And the second I really let that into my body, like... Yeah. It was like, I have to change it. Like, I'm so out of integrity here. And and we ended it. And it was re- it was really painful. And... Then yeah. began like a year of going. It was it was actually so painful. It birthed a whole new level of practice for me. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, yeah. Um, it was like almost instantly after that. Um, by this time, I would I had been doing plant medicines, and I went on another plant medicine journey. Plant medicine meaning ayahuasca. Uh, ayahuasca, psilocybin, um, in particular, those two. Which is mushrooms. Which is mushrooms, and did. Um, tremendous amount of work on my nervous system yeah i can instantly the first time and these I, were held ceremonies oh yeah with, very strong containers right. with my men's group yeah. and for intentional purposes mm-hmm. and yeah like literally could feel the psilocybin going in and cracking open my heart yeah it was incredible the first journey i ever had um but beyond that there was just like five <laughs> i moved to boulder right when i was 20 26 i think or 20 or 24 or 25 and the whole time i was there in that community, meditation was something you should do. Uh-huh. That I, I, I did on and off a couple times, but I never really did it. <laughs> I never like really felt it was like a should. Right. And it, after this breakup, it was so painful. It was the first time I ever just started sitting regularly every mm-hmm. morning, um, where my career wasn't at where I was at. I was under a lot of financial stress. I had just broken up with this woman, and just was feeling lost in some ways. And yeah. I remember so clearly sitting a couple times, and then the damnedest thing happened where I wanted to sit because I was like, "Holy sitting shit!" Sitting meaning sitting in meditation. Meditating. Yeah, that thirty minutes on the mat is the only place I don't have to be thinking about what the fuck am I doing with my life mm-hmm. and like feeling that day to day. And then I, I again kind of got deep. I was deep back in the gym at this time, really working out and. The six months after the six months after I broke up with her, I would say I changed more than I think I've ever changed before in a wow. quick period of time of just. Um, I, I I will share the other significant thing I that happened during this time is um, yeah this is actually a huge part of my story. It's just interesting that's coming out now. Uh, my relationship to porn mm. and masturbation all those years that I was single grew and grew and grew. Um, yeah, and is what helped me survive. You know, I can I can say in some ways it like saved my life. It was the only it was the only connection that you had totally. with the feminine. Um, but even in my previous relationship, it had would come up, and sometimes I'd be watching it, and I had a sexually willing partner, and so there was just something there that yeah. wasn't quite right. Yeah, something shadowy. And, and so in that six months, I was 
meditating every morning, working out like a motherfucker, had a great diet. <laughs> and um, I had, you know, I'd studied some David Data and some kind of Tantra mm-hmm. stuff and made the clear decision one day where I was like, I am never going to release again unless I'm with a partner. Mm. And like, took this vow for a while to just no porn, porn fasting, no masturbation. Yeah. Uh, I don't like, no, actually I think I went with no release. I think I did masturbate sometimes. Release me. No, no release. ejaculation. Yeah. And it, and it's, I mean, I think my longest run was five and a half months and it completely transformed me. I'm so curious about this. Completely transformed like, me. Like, did you have more energy? Was it, what did you do? I was like a the... fucking golden God. <laughs> I was working out so hard. I had so much energy, and, like, that was the only place to put it. And people would notice. They were just like, you were just fucking glowing. <laughs> like, literally, people told me that. Fast um, from porn and glow, guys. Yeah. Uh, um, point being, this was all adding up to... Um, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess and what's significant at this time is, so, after that relationship ended, I was single for a while, and then... I had this idea that, oh, I'm going to, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, like, ready to date. I'm ready to, you know, have yeah. the success I always wanted. And then I got into the online dating thing, and I spent, like... <laughs> Did it crush your spirit? Eight months, like, <laughs> spending hundreds of fucking hours on probably Tinder and Match. Every site yeah. I was on. Every fucking site. And chatting with people and trying to go out on dates and, you know, going out on dates. And then the person just doesn't look anything like... Uh-huh. You know, like the, yeah. all the things, all happened. the things, all the things happened. And then, um, you know, had one successful interaction with the woman in that time that didn't work out for various reasons. Um, and had, had, did have a super crush during that time mm-hmm. in some ways that was like taking that energy from me and was just like going deeper and deeper. And as the year went on, I just noticed like, Oh my God, I'm like, chasing this girl doing the nice yeah. thing i'm chasing so this you were girl. more aware of it now you were was, conscious of it you could see it still doing it and i was conscious of it but it was like building and it was building and then you know all the fucking online dating oh, just like <laughs> the the super crush thing right in some ways plays out online as well of the mm. um just profile after profile oh my god she's the one got it <laughs> Right? These Holy shit. Are perfect. She's gone to we Burning so Man. She meditates. Like, this is the one. <laughs> this, oh, holy shit. And then all the energy, and then, and then, you know, it's just like an online thing, and then it's just nothing. <laughs> so, but energetically, it's like very taxing to like feel yeah. that, and then the build up, and then either there was just no interest or no response, or yeah. we went on a date, and it's just there wasn't any connection. So, point being, it was like late October. And I was on a medicine journey and was in a pretty intense place. Medicine journey meaning a psychedelic, a psychedelic journey that was held, yeah. And just super clearly dropped in and had this experience of just like, wow, I am done chasing. Mm. I'm done chasing. I'm done chasing. And um, it was like, I'm ready to be met. I'm just ready to be met. And a number of things had added up together where I was like, I'm pretty clear that if I just follow my path, I'm going to meet someone who's on their path. Mm. And we'll have resonance. And yeah. like, as long as I tune into that and stay on my path, that's where I'm going to meet her. And there's going to be no... Chasing. Like, if I'm in that place, I won't have any of the anxiety, the discomfort, or like, all this thing, this clear experiences I had. Um, and so it was that, that there was a meetup my friend had, which it was a guy I met and knew and had a connection with. 
mm-hmm. because I had followed my path and mm. my passions in terms of some things I'd blogged about, meeting with him and starting men's groups, which led him to inviting me to one of his passions, mm-hmm. which was totally my tribe, consciousness hacking. Uh, and he was talking on lucid dreaming and walked in and immediately noticed uh, an ass. <laughs> <laughs> Put it nicely, uh, like uh, you know, walk into a room as a guy and scan the room and like, who, huh? you know, are there any women here? And um, definitely noticed someone I was attracted to, and then didn't talk to her right away because we we're like it was in like presentation mode. But very clearly remember something happened and someone and she raised her hand and said something super dorky about <laughs> yoga sutras. I mean, like really, really consciousness. Yeah, happening. like really, yeah. like wow, well, like. I know, like, incredibly elaborate and incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly dorky, but also like, wow, okay, this is someone who's doing something. Yeah, she's she's on the path, too. Yeah, and then um, at the end of the night, turns out she was talking to the girlfriend of the guy I knew, mm-hmm. and they were talking, and I just walked up and said hi, and we started talking. And there was definitely some, like, immediate interest, I would say, um, and attraction, uh, but the funny thing was everyone was about to go out to a bar and this was in my year of super hardcore meditation and I had not meditated that morning for some reason I'd been up late the night before so I didn't do it and I was just for what I was just super like no I gotta go home and finish my practice because I had a streak going mm-hmm. I didn't want to mess it up so we had connected and, and then she's like are you coming to the bar and I don't exactly remember so I was like no I gotta go home and meditate <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do my practice today, but can I get your card or, or something? And she gave me her card, and then I just left. <laughs> um, but Facebooked her the next day, and uh, we went out for coffee at one point, and then we like went out for a real date before Christmas break, and it was the most intense real first date I think I've ever had. Mm. In that, uh, like, there was genuine real connection. And she was genuinely really meeting me and calling me out on shit and yeah. expressing herself emotionally uh, in ways of like, wow, that really hurts. Or, wow, I don't want to be here. Or, you know, like all kinds of different stuff. Um, but you hung in there. But I hung in there and she hung in there. And that was like totally different for me. And you were only able to hang in there because of all the work that you'd been doing, I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. No, so absolutely, like, had I not... Had I not been meditating that whole year, and I had not been feeling comfortable in my body, had I not learned emotional intelligence through authentic relating and the work, um, and had I not even been able to just clearly express what I was noticing and wanting in my body, mm-hmm. which at one point was like, "Wow, I noticed I don't want you to leave tonight." Um, yeah, and you know we didn't hook up that night because it wasn't time. There was it was like there was a genuine connection there that needed to be protected in my mind. That was really sacred and special um i think uh and then uh yeah we had you know part of what was going on for me at the time was i had just come out of that other relationship about a year earlier Mm -hmm. and had this story that i still wanted to date a lot of people and that's not where she was at and that Mm -hmm. was like our intense initial friction was like i have the story i want to be this guy Mm -hmm. she doesn't want that and like what do we do Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do we do? And there was, it was the first time like I've ever gotten to this point with someone where there was no answer that could be immediately had, Mm. but there was this feeling of the quality of the connection kept bringing me back to her and it kept bringing her back to me Mm. of like, 
this isn't easy, but there's something real here. And yeah. we just stayed with it and stayed with each other. And she stayed patient with me as I, for me, it was more that opening my heart to like, oh no, like I, I think I do know what I want. And I actually think I want to be with someone and yeah. like go all the way in and like, like not just do the relationship thing, but like wake the, wake each other the fuck up. Yeah. Like that level of relating mm-hmm. became very apparent to me was on the table. Like yeah. something I could have with this person. And so at some point there were just some very clear moments of like, what else could I be looking for? Like really, yeah. what else could I be looking for yeah. in a partner? And, and then we, we started dating and then uh, I led her on some adventures and she kept following me and opening me up and celebrating and I asked her to marry me. Um, oh. <laughs> very, in, yeah, very impromptu, but when it was clear, it was clear. And she said yes. And I'm super grateful, mm. super grateful. Uh, yeah. yeah, and when you look back at that whole sort of courtship period, what what would you say are the main things from what you had been doing that prepared you to fully meet her? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, and this is a, bit a big part of what I do with guys, is you don't need pickup mm. when you're in alignment and in your own integrity, meaning like, when I got clear and I started doing my practice and I knew what I wanted and I was literally moving my life in the direction of where I wanted it to go and spending time with the types of people and the types of tribe and the values and the community with those people, that's where I found someone else who shared that stuff yeah. for one and where we didn't have to play any games. Mm. There was no, there was, I will say the, the number one thing I got out of, um, those early interactions with Violet that I do tell my guy friends about Mm -hmm. is it wasn't easy, but there was ease. Mm. Um, And which is a really important distinction for me of like, because, you know, this word game, like girls play games and we play games and you can't let her know you like her and vice versa and then she doesn't call you back. Yeah, It's just this whole thing uh, around that. And like when I say it wasn't easy, like there was genuine friction between us yeah. and like, we don't know if this will work, but I like, I want this, you want that. Like we have different values. Like it was not easy. And there was emotional close down on my side and sometimes on her side, but there was ease in that it was pretty clear. There was a real connection there and that we both wanted something mm. that could be met in the other person. So there was like a, I didn't have to like pretend like pretend anything with her. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to hold anything back, and she mm-hmm. didn't hold anything back for me. It was like, no, I, I I like you and I want you, but here's what would feel good to me. Mm-hmm. Like, just boom. And there's like an ease in that, in that we were both just all in. Yeah. Like you know, I maybe put the brakes on more than her is mm-hmm. on the way to that, but there was like a, oh yeah, okay, we're just gonna keep moving this direction, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to you know. I think some of the, it's like the anti-super crush of like, uh, does she like me? Does she not like me? I got to find out. Yeah. And like, just, you know. Um, well, yeah, it wasn't a super crush because you were actually relating. We, we were Because the thing about a super first. crush is you're not actually totally. in a relationship with that person of any kind. You're just, yeah. it's all in your head. This was actually happening in the world. So the first thing I heard you say was you were on your path and you had a sense of your purpose. And that was one of the things that prepared you. Would you say embodiment was one of them yes i would definitely say um yeah i had been doing even more work at that time uh i mean of significance 
I had started and joined my second men's group. Mm -hmm. So I was dropping in with a tribe of guys every two weeks that um, pushed me in some ways and kept me real and Mm -hmm. met a lot of my connection needs in Mm -hmm. some ways. So it kind of freed me up, I think, dating so that you were so incredibly hungry for that yeah like i I was getting Mm -hmm. connection elsewhere i think is super important um and yeah embodiment you know working out more meditating more having done some dance classes Mm -hmm. and just anything i could to like get in my body and heal and work through the old nervous system wounds and Mm -hmm. trauma Mm -hmm. um so that you know and there were moments in our early interactions where i would kind of numb out or disappear or withdraw but they were much shorter in duration than before and maybe not quite as intense where i could at least say some words yeah (laughs) it wasn't a total freeze yeah it wasn't a total freeze um but those you know that alignment that inner thing of Mm -hmm. like i never had to worry about when i approached her there was no worrying about what to say Mm. it was just like i'm here yeah and i'm interested i felt an alignment i felt when I say that, I just like knew who I was and what I wanted and what direction I was going. Yeah. Um, and that I wasn't willing to, I wasn't going to chase anymore at that point. And, and that's, I think where the ease in our relationship came from. If it was, it was like someone who's like, no, I'm ready to Are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. Okay. And then, you know, it unfolded from there. Mm. Um, but yeah, what I, what I, what I, the other thing I'll say is, I mean, all the emotional work I did, was a big like having a language and she had done a lot herself which Mm -hmm. was crucial so having a language to share to talk about what was happening for us in real time while things were happening like i'm feeling shut down right now or yeah you know sometimes it wasn't even that eloquent but there was like noticing and talking about that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff i would say is was just crucial for the connection and for us being able to come back to each other and that's that's one thing that um so my whole frame of you know evolutionary men is, I actually think nice guys have an advantage, mm. which uh, you know for all those years I did not think that because you know I would see these other guys who were macho getting more women or yeah. having more sex, mm-hmm. but not necessarily having better relationships. And so I truly believe you know, and a lot of the clients I think both of us work with mm-hmm. are. Uh, Guys that suck at dating but are going to be great at relationships, Mm. like once you're in, like the ability to emotionally connect with someone and talk about your feelings, Mm -hmm. which um, might seem like a disadvantage at first because you're not as confident and you don't have the moves, but like that's what matters long term, I think, and Mm. is much harder to teach, Mm. much harder to teach someone to be like, have access to their emotional body and have a good heart. Mm-hmm. Whereas like how to approach someone, how to kind of get more into alignment, like those, those are tactics and those are things that you can learn. So I, you know, and part of my mission is in no offense to the ladies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the, some of the communities I roll in, mm-hmm. I just never want to hear the word where all the good men again. Mm. Cause yeah. in my experience as a guy leading men's workshops and men's groups, I know a lot of great men, mm-hmm. a lot of really great men. Yeah. And clearly there's just some kind of mismatch in terms of how they're showing up for the women and mm-hmm. what the women are feeling. So it's just like, oh, okay. Like there's nice, there are good men there mm-hmm. that just for some reason, whether it's their sexual energy or just confidence, they're not expressing in a way that these amazing women around them, 
react to. So yeah. part of my thing is like, no, those are the guys I want my female friends dating because mm-hmm. like, they're solid. They're yeah. good. They have the hearts. They're going to be great partners for them. So what are these just like sticking points in the way? And let's go through those. You know? Yeah. And speaking of that, I want to just transition a bit to it's, it's almost like you went through this whole journey yourself and now yes. you're helping other men that are in a similar position. Can you say a little bit about what you do in your work and how men can find you? Yes. Um, so right now I do two primary things, uh, one of which is live events. And that's if you happen to live in L.A., I do men's groups that mm-hmm. anyone can drop into twice a month where we actually practice connecting and supporting and challenging each other as guys, which um, I am a firm believer in, in the idea that um, the depth of your connection with women is often set by the depth of your connection with men. Yeah. And you actually mentioned that as a big part of your journey is that when you moved to Boulder and you had masculine, you know, friends and mentors, that's when a lot of things start to shift. Totally. And and, uh, for a lot of guys, I think they don't think to start there. Yeah. Oh, I want to be dating women. women. I need to be around women. Um, But there's something that happens, you know, with, with guys in a group Mm -hmm. that I think helps them grow. Um, And then I I lead some more intensive uh, deep dive weekends um, and those are in LA as well, where we kind of do the work of going into the old shadow material mm-hmm. and the old wounds and really just expressing what's there in the body and finding it and creating space around it, which yeah. is, you know, part of what helps a man be in alignment and integrity yeah. and, and show present, up present so that he doesn't sort of check out or do that freeze response, right? Totally. And yeah. then for guys that aren't, are in LA or not in LA, um, I have an online program called the pillars of presence, which is a virtual group program that uh, guys from all across the country are involved in. Mm. And we go kind of step by step through like what is presence and how does one embody it? Yeah. Because um, presence is the sexiest thing to a woman. As yes. It turns out. And <laughs> is that magical thing of, right. So the honest truth is if you want to get good at dating or attracting someone, you just have to live a kick-ass life that you feel in alignment with. Like, so once you get your insides, right. The outsides in some way just handle themselves mm-hmm. um, is a big part of my frame. Like, so it's not about, you know, there's some techniques and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. it's way more about going deep inside, getting clear about who you are, what's happened to you, mm-hmm. what you want, mm-hmm. and how you want to move forward in life in a tribe of men with some support and coaching on the way. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I'm really excited uh, about the work we're doing and, um, and full disclosure, I'm also involved in that program, yeah. so you have you have some uh, support and feedback from women too in the structure of that program. Absolutely, right? so yeah. So we kind of have the, the dream combo there, and we are the dream team. Um, just saying, you know, it's really the culmination of like, what did I want 15 years ago? Yeah. Like that took me all that time and journeys and money and pain and strife to figure out of like, okay, now what if I can just help bring this on? Cause you know, and help guys get there faster, help guys get there faster and without pain and without as much pain. And, you know, I'm just super passionate about, you know, the world is really ready for men to step up. Like you ladies, you're fucking doing your work and you're holding the planet together and (laughs) like legitimately, and, you know, the, it's time for men to show up um, and do that. And one of the big pain points for a lot of men is they're relating to women. Yeah. And when they're not relating to women, 
that's so many pathologies. All the Me Too stuff yeah. is from guys that don't normally know how to relate to women. Yeah. So they have to use power dynamics or get super lonely and go on meds and then fucking shoot people. Yeah. Like this stuff is really real and near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And so I know there's nice guys out there like me and I want to help you and I want to help you get confident and relate to women in the way you want. Um, both so you can be a gift to these women because they're dying for good connections. Uh, yes, we really men. are. <laughs> And, you know, another one that I'm passionate about personally is so when guys are ready to commit, they don't settle. Mm. Meaning when they decide to marry someone, they're really in it and not feeling that I never did my thing or I didn't get there because, like, the stability of those connections leads to stable families, Mm. which leads to so much of the work I had to do was because of my family of origin, yeah, right? Yeah, like, that's a really, really, really good point, that so, when you invest in yourself, you're investing in your future family, which is actually serving the planet. Absolutely. Even if you don't do anything else or any other volunteer work or any of the rest of it, it's the most important thing we can all do So, So, end. yeah, I mean, the shallow end is like, yeah, helping nice guys, you know, have them better sex, sex, intimacy, and (laughs) relationships. But the deeper thing is like, I really do think it'll impact the world. And I feel grateful to have a partner who's doing her version of that as well, who Mm -hmm. I think you guys have heard before. Yeah. And really doing our part to serve and create these stable, anchored relationships that uh, promote the well-being of everyone. Oh, that's a good place to end. Um, So we're going to put all of this stuff in the show notes, the stuff about Jason's men's group and Pillars of Presence, the... Um, online program that we mentioned and then I'll also put in some information about the live events that we do in LA in case you want to check those out if you're in this area but do know that there is both stuff for people that are in LA but also people that are anywhere Um, because that's something that I think is really important um, is accessibility and really making sure that this stuff is available to people all over Absolutely, because not everybody is in the major cities and that's one last thing i'll say for guys out there particularly that don't happen to be in la or you know a hippie town like boulder where i grew up is um don't try to do it alone Mm. like there's so many guys that try to lone wolf it and that's a big part of i think why so many men are hurting is like the chain of masculine transmission has just been shattered in the last 50 years yeah of like most men grow up not having just been around good, healthy, modeled masculine. Yeah. And so, you know, with it, if it's with us or not, like, find it. Mm-hmm. Find a tribe. Find a mentor. Yeah. Find someone because that's, you don't have to do it alone. That's like, the way out. You don't have to do it alone as a guy. Everyone thinks I have to figure it all by myself and then I can show up. Yeah. But it's not like, connect, connect, yeah. get help. Yeah. Don't do it alone. That's a really good ending. Thank you for mentioning that. I think especially because women and the feminine is more generally more connected. It's not something I would have thought of. So thank you for bringing that up. So we're going to drop all that stuff in the show notes. And that wraps up this episode. That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. 
Have a sexy day.